John chapter 6 is where we're going to be. John chapter 6, open it. But the thing about John is John, you guys remember this, right? He's trying to make a case for why you should believe in Jesus. And so he's not telling you everything that's happened. As a matter of fact, between John chapter 5 and John chapter 6, most commentators and the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, sorry, I shouldn't use big words, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, those are the synoptic gospels, have about six months worth of Jesus' teaching and ministry right in between here. Six months! Just gone! Well, John's not trying to tell you everything. Luke was trying to do that. John's trying to tell you how you can be sure and believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and how, by believing in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will have life eternal. That's what John's doing. And so he, he comes to chapter 6, and I need to give you some background. Are you ready for the background? Say I'm ready. All right, great. So here it is. Um, and you have to go back and look at this. This is one of the only, this is the only miracle other than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is in all four Gospels. So it's a big, big, big deal. It impacted every one of the disciples in a major, major way. And so, is this, just ask yourself this, is this just going to be another day at church? Is this going to be like, ah, you know, just, we're going to do chapter 6 instead of chapter 5? Or is this like, hold on, this is a passage that impacted these disciples so much, they were never going to forget it. This could be the Sunday. Every day with Jesus is an opportunity for Jesus to come and to wow you, to do the impossible when you thought it wasn't possible. And I got to give you the context in which Jesus does this. First, Jesus sends the disciples off, two by two, the 12, to preach the gospel. And he empowers them with signs and wonders. They do signs and wonders. They do miracles. They're, they're like, Jesus. And people are like, what? Maybe you want to do that. Go ahead. It's kind of fun. It's like, you're like, why do you get to have all the fun up there? I know, I know. It, it's like, what in the world is going? Like, the 12 disciples are now doing this. Even Judas? Think about it now. God can use anybody. And these people are doing miracles. And they come back to Jesus. Okay, that's one. And Jesus is doing things. Jesus is doing some amazing things during the time even the disciples are out. And he gathers the largest, largest crowd he's ever had. This is the pinnacle of his ministry. Right before he's going to do the bread and eat my Yeah, come back for that next week. All right, so you need to come back. All right, so this is the largest crowd. So his ministry is thriving. Things are awesome. But there's one other thing you need to know. Right before this, John the Baptist gets beheaded. You ever been like that? I don't know how to feel. Am I happy? Look what God's doing. Am I sad? Ah! John the Baptist was the forerunner to Jesus. He was a cousin. He pointed to Jesus. He was the mentor of at least some of the disciples. 
They were his disciples before they were Jesus' disciples. This is a death in the family. Man, how good is God that we're in this passage on this day? We didn't even have a preaching calendar. And here we are. I'm just astounded by God and what he does. That we can be in this spot where you're like, good collides with bad. I don't know how to feel. I'm excited, but I'm tired. I'm encouraged, but I'm feeling attacked, right? It, fragile, for sure. You're in this fragile spot where you're like, what is going on? Should I be happy? Should I be sad? Should I cry? Should I yell? I don't know what to do. That's where the disciples are at. Now you know the context. And I think we've all been there at some time in our life, and maybe you find yourself there today like I do. I had a pastor friend, his name is Rob Willie, he preaches down in Davenport, Iowa. And when we were getting trained to be a senior pastor, he said, Steve, watch out for Mondays. It's like, what? What are you talking about? It's like, there's this thing called aesthetic letdown. You come off the cliff right, of preaching, and everybody's there gathered together, and we're like, go! Let's exalt the Lord together! And you come off of that every Monday. And it's like, oh man, I gotta have another message. They're, they're coming back, and they're bringing their friends. And by the way, I don't like how well I did it. I forgot to say that, and that was dumb. And, 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 and. It's the truth. And so, I think we've all been there, in that spot where you're like, ah, it's fragile. So what do we do? What do we do in that spot, in that spot in our journey with Jesus? Here's what we do. In our journey with Jesus, we listen and we learn. We listen and we learn. Everybody say listen. Who are you listening to? Who are you listening to now? You listen to the Lord. Right? This is his word. Who are you learning from? The Lord. Right? Take me out of the equation. Best I can, I'm going to do that. And learn from the Lord today. Listen to the Lord today. We're on a journey with Jesus. So let me read Chapter 6, verses 1 through 15, and I'm just going to give you three steps on our journey. Um, here it is. Again, you can go re read this in other places. Matthew 14, go ahead and write that down in your Bible if you want. Matthew 14, Mark 6, John 6, obviously, and Luke 9. Matthew 14, Mark 6 and Luke 9. All right, let me read. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, which, I'll just add this because I know this from other places, which is the Sea of Gennesaret, which has many names, obviously. Um, we have a map, I think, maybe. I don't know if it'll show up on here anyway. Let's check have a map? There it is. Okay, so you see the Sea of Galilee at the top with Capernaum at the top? He's traveling from east side of Lake 
to west side of Lake. Bethesda is just above Capernaum, right where the top is. It's, it's up there on the west side, northwest side of that little lake at the top there. So, and it is a smaller lake. So he's traveling, and a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on a mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. I encourage you to read all four accounts and try to fit that in. That's the hardest pot to fit in. But again, this is the word of God, so it's true, so I know it's happened. It's just I don't got everything in between to fit it all together. But you read it all, it's just it's so fun um, to kind of patch the work together. And, oh, they must have been thinking that and doing that. All right. He's up on the mountain with his disciples. Now, the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. I want you to underline the word Passover. That matters. He just got done telling people about Moses, right, in, the, in chapter 5, and he's bridging this bread of life talk with this Passover. It's Passover time. It's the second of three Passovers that Jesus was public ministry was during. It's very important. Lifting up his eyes. Why did he lift up his eyes? Maybe to pray, to give thanks. You'll see it again. Then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him. And we're talking upward to fifteen to 20,000 people. We're talking the XL, uh, XL Center. Right, who went to the like, uh, concert on this week? All right, come on now, Hillsong. Well, yeah, come on. We're all jealous that you got to go worship your faces off with Hillsong United. That was awesome. Okay, so, but that's how many people. If you were there, that's how many people. Like 15,000, 20,000 people maybe uh, were there. All right, he lifts up his eyes. He sees a large crowd coming toward him. Jesus said to Philip, now, I would just draw a line there in your Bible. Saw a large uh, crowd coming towards him. Gap, Jesus said to Philip, okay? There's a gap there, and I don't know how to reconcile that, but there's a gap there. Just know, I've, I've read this, okay? He said to Philip, Philip is from where? Do you guys remember? We taught on this, like, in chapter 2, or one, was it 1? Philip's from Bethsaida, and that's where this is happening. So he says to the hometown boy, hey, 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 Philip, you're from around here. Okay, here's what he says. Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? And he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. If you don't have that underlined in your Bible, I'm going to encourage you right now to get something on that. Jesus knew from the beginning of eternity from the beginning of the world's creation, what he was going to do on this day, and yet he asked Philip because he was testing his faith. It's pretty, pretty crazy. Philip answered him, 200 denarii. A denarii is a day's wage, so a wealthy person might make a, a denarii a day. 200 denarii, so about eight months' worth of wages. 200 denarii with a bread would not even be enough for each of them to get a little, just a taste. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, always recruiting people to Jesus, you can look back at that too, he brought Simon Peter to him, said to him, now, this is the only time we ever hear Andrew speak in all of the scriptures. So you're like, oh, I'm listening. 
right? Here it is. He said to him, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. And then he must have a reality check in the middle of his sentence. 15,000 people. But what are they for so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. And you know this from the other passages in group of 50 or 100. So very organized. Now there was much grass in the place. Not sure why he says that. But it makes me think of Psalm 23. It's going to make you lie down in green pastures. It's going to nourish you. He's your shepherd. So I'm not sure why that's in there, but let's just go with that. Psalm 23, it makes me think of that. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Every story calls it the same number. Jesus, or every account calls it the same number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, in the other passage says he looked up and gave thanks, looked to heaven and gave thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. And in the other passage, like he kept breaking the bread. How tired were his hands by the end of 15,000. How slimy were his hands at the end of 15,000 eating as much fish fry on Friday night as they wanted to eat. I mean, you just got to put yourself in the story. And he just kept doing it. Distributing, 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 distributing to those who were seated through the disciples, we know that from the other passages, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, sit down and take a rest. No, he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. We're not going to lose this opportunity. This is a teaching point. I, I, I gave up teaching you for a little bit so we could go with the crowd. I had compassion on the crowd, but, but, but we're going to finish the lesson. Here's the lesson. Gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. Doggy bag anyone? Should have got one of these on your way in. If you didn't, you can get them on the way out or they're up here in front. But I'm telling you, they each got a doggy bag. They each got something to remember this meal by. How long did they eat the leftovers? Who likes leftovers? Come on, that was too quick. Who likes leftovers really? Like, it depends on what it is. If it's manicotti, I'm eating that. I'm like, kids, you won't like it. It's not very good. (laughs) It's like, yeah, right. But, I mean, if it's like hamburger, you're like, it kind of tastes like cow now. I'm not eating that. Do you know what I'm saying? Do, do you not eat the same things I eat? I don't know. Like, it depends on what the leftovers are. But I'm not sure it was for them to eat. I think maybe it was a spiritual lesson to hold. So I'm going to ask you to hold this bag with you this week. And more on that in a second. Verse 14 and 15 are important. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said... This is indeed the prophet, right? Deuteronomy 18, 15, and 18 down. Deuteronomy 18, 15. 
This is indeed the prophet. That's the Messiah who was to come into the world. Moses said there'd be somebody like me. This is it. So they know now he's the Messiah. He's the anointed one. He is the son of God. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, which is his mission anyway, right? To set up the kingdom. Wait for it. Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. All right, let me pray. Father, this is a great word. (laughs) It has radically impacted my life this week. And I am so grateful that you've placed it in every gospel so we can learn something different in every gospel about this epic lesson. I pray that you will seal on our hearts the principles, the steps that we learned today, and that on our journey with Jesus, we will use them often as we listen and learn from you. I pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right, step one from verses one through four. Take time to get away with Jesus. You're like, that's elementary. I get it. But how you doing? I think we need to be reminded that this is a thing every week. That reading the word, being filled up by the word of God, my, my words, your, your words were found and I ate them and they became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. Called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Jeremiah 15, 16. One of the, my favorite verses in the whole Bible. I want to eat the word. I want to see Bibles that have teeth marks in them, you know? Let's eat the word often. Let's, let's feast on it. And what it takes there is to time to get away. So in all of these passages, um, I have this handy-dandy printout of the Gospels. So when Jesus heard about it, that's the Herod thing, that Herod killed uh, John the Baptist, he withdrew from there by boat to a remote place to be alone. When the crowds heard this, they followed him on foot from the towns. All right. That was Matthew, who wanted to make sure you knew that John, you know, was killed. Mark also tells you that right before it says this. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Did Jesus even tell them? I know Herod Herod killed John the Baptist. Before they, like, it's like, who's going first? Good news, bad news? Hey, hey. Peter's out with it, right? God, you wouldn't believe it. I was doing the things you knew. You know? And Jesus is like, all right, give it a second. Okay, how excited are you guys too? Okay, tell me, you know? And they all get it out. And then he's like, well, I got some bad news. Was it bad news to Jesus? No. But to them, it had to feel like bad news. And so I'm sure he was tender with them. Apostles gathered around. They reported to him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. And then Luke chapter 9. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus all that they had done. It was crazy. He took them along and withdrew privately to a town called Bethsaida. When, he, when the crowds found out, they followed him. He couldn't get away. Remember that commercial? Want to get away? There's been times in the last couple of years that I've wanted to just crawl in a hole and get away. And that's the wrong response. So what's the right response? When 
it doesn't feel good or you're fragile or whatever. You know, I'm sure there's other people in our organization that have wanted to do that as well. The right response is to take some time to get away with Jesus, to listen and to learn from our master, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Not in isolation. You're like, man, that's confusing. So here's how that works out. Not in isolation. Proverbs 18.1. The Bible says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. So if you go away by yourself, what are you going to do? This, right? You're going to just like, well, I'm right. And there, you know, or I, I think this and, you know. But you're not getting away by yourself with your own thoughts. You're getting away with Jesus to listen and learn. So this is how this works. I was praying this morning. I'm on my knees in my study and I'm praying, Right? And I'm praying, God, this and that. And then all of a sudden, I'm making plans. You ever done that? Oh, I'm not even talking to God anymore. I'm like talking to myself about what I'm going to do. That's the difference between what I'm preaching and what Proverbs 18.1 says. That's the difference right there. And you can know when it happens, and then you're like, man, I'm off. Talk to God again. Listen to God again. Right? Not making my own plans in my own head again. You see the difference? Okay. That's really helpful to me. I hope that's really helpful to you. Um, in your time in the Word, in your time in prayer, listen and learn. Don't just use that time. Oh, yeah, I get alone. I meditate every, every day in the morning. I, I, I just talk to myself in my head. Not what we're looking for. Let God speak to you through His Word. Talk to God, listen to God. That's what we're going for. So again, the point is, take time to get away with Jesus. All right, now listen. I got to ask this. How is your time in the word? How is your time in prayer? I got to ask myself that too. How is your, this has been a really busy week. You know, a lot of transitions, a lot of hands off. So how's your relationship with your loving father? Just a good check-in, no condemnation. Well, I'll answer to one person. His name is Jesus. But I think it's a good check-in to be like, okay, am I really getting away with God and listening and learning? That's step one when it's fragile. That's step one when you like want to be like, it's awesome. Somebody died. Ah! Okay? Let me finish the point with this. This isn't really a point. It's a little aside, but you know, look at... Look at Jesus and what he's doing. There's the followers of Jesus, the disciples, and then there's the crowd. And there's a distinction. Do you see the distinction in the passage? He's like, I have my disciples and I have the crowd. And they're two different things. And I think maybe that's a good thing for you to know where you're at. Are you crowd? Are you just showing up once in a while? Or are you like, I'm all in disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm opening the word with him. I'm praying. I'm finding my strength in him. Not necessarily in just right here and right now. That's a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's good to know the distinction. Look at Jesus' response to the crowd. He has compassion on them. He teaches them. Maybe the Sermon on the Mount, but probably was earlier, but he probably said the Sermon on the Mount several times since they could all remember three chapters worth. Maybe it was the parables from Matthew 13. He was always telling them parables. So what did he tell them that day before evening came and the disciples were like, oh my goodness, we got to get these guys out of here. 
I don't know. But I know this. I know Jesus welcomed the crowd. I know Jesus had compassion on the crowd. And I want to model that. I don't always do it, but I want to model that, right? Like if you're here today and you're like, man, great service, but it's kind of a hard day to come. Come back again, right? We welcome you, right? If somebody didn't greet you today, that's on us. We're a little distracted today. We love you. We're glad you're here. We want to welcome you as Jesus Christ welcomed us, right? So there's a verse for that, Romans 15, 7. Let's all remind ourselves of that, lest we get our eyes off of the mission, right? Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. That's our purpose. That's our mission. That's how we feel like Jesus feels for the crowd. Come on. We got time. We want you to be here. And we want you to hear the word of God, the gospel. We love you. All right. Now, in every one of these kind of things, he gets to this point where um, here it says Philip, right? But I told you there's something in between. So in a couple other passages, here's what he ends with. And I'm going to put it up on the screen. You give them something to eat. The disciples come to him, say, Lord, send them away. Send the crowd away. He's like, I love them. I have compassion on them. And he says, hey, 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 let's just test that awesome power we were having. You give them something to eat. Sure, it got quiet. And that's probably why Jesus had to be like, hey, Philip, you're from around here. How about you? And he says what he says here. Where would we buy bread for these people to eat? He did it to test him. He's teaching all of them, but he's testing Philip. 200 denarii wouldn't be enough. Woo! So Philip from Bethsaida is pessimistic. If only we had the money, Jesus. I know a great restaurant down the street. You know? If only we had the money. We could make this all go away. But it's impossible. We don't have the money. And then Andrew comes up, and he's like, you know, can you consider Andrew, right? The pleaser, he's like, scurrying off, trying to find the resources and relationship that's going to solve the issue, right? Why Philip is calculating on his calculator how much it's going to be worth. Remember we talked about their different personalities? <laughs> it's so funny. So we all kind of come at it a different way. And Andrew is like, hey, 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 I found this little boy. He has a lunch. Five loaves, two fish, we're not set. That's exactly what happened. Like, I mean, this is the only time we hear him in Scripture, and he's like, whoa! Oh. You ever been like that? I'm a verbal processor. That happens to me regularly, where I'm like, this is going to be really awesome. We're going to be, oh, I shouldn't have said anything. You know? If you're a verbal processor, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Dave Reynolds, you and me. And sometimes you get to that middle of the sentence and you're like, dude, I just messed this up. I just, I, 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 I need to be quiet now. You know? And uh, that's what happened. So here's the second point, step two. Lean into the testing of my faith. 
Jesus is testing their faith right where they're at, their personality, right what they need. He's loving, he's on it right there. And, and he's like, all right, here's what you need. Here's what you need. Here's what I'm going to do. All of our different personalities, all of our different temperaments, all of our different outlooks on life, the pessimist, the optimist, whatever. But one thing is the same. Our loving Father will test our faith. He's going to do it. And he does it because he loves us. So God tests people to refine their faith. Amen. I want to have more faith. Faith is the thing that you see in the Gospels moves mountains. So God, if you need to test me so that I can have more faith, let's go. I wish it was like that. It's kind of like, oh, that hurts. I don't know what you're doing there. You know, discipline doesn't feel pleasant for the moment. So let's lean in. Can we commit to that as a church? I mean, right now, I think that's a, that's a fitting word for us. The, just the two words, lean in. It'd be easy to run. It'd be easy to hide. It'd be easy to judge. It'd be easy to do a billion different things than lean in. be honest with you, there's been times it's like, man, this is too hard, right? But I've committed to the elders. I've committed to my wife. I'm called. I'm committed. I'm leaning in no matter what. And I think that's a good thing. It's a good thing. And uh, I I commend us all to lean in in some way, right? It doesn't have to be a job or whatever. Just find your way and lean in. Now, verses 14 and 15, I mentioned those. So, you know, this was a test for Philip. It was also a test for Andrew and the other disciples. But you got to know this. This was a test for Jesus as well. Like, what? Jesus came to set up a kingdom. He had a kingdom. They wanted to make him king. So why doesn't he just set up his kingdom? It's not the right time. It's not the right way. Here's the phrase I want you to write down. The cross comes before the crown. You've got to get that. The cross comes before the crown. You need, I need to spend a lifetime of suffering and laying it down for Jesus Christ before we see Jesus Christ face to face and he says, well done, here's your riches. It's hard, I know. You know, if you've been a Christian long, if you got baptized, the week you got baptized, it was like, what happened? Because you pledged allegiance to Jesus and Satan said, I'm gonna hit you. He hates you because he hates your Lord. And so we're called to suffer. We don't want to suffer for our sin. 1 Peter 4. We want to suffer for the sake of Christ. That's a fine line too. That is another day. The cross comes before the crown. Take up your cross and follow Jesus Christ. Here's the lesson. Whenever we're in need, wherever the need is, Whatever the need is, give all you have to Jesus in the need 
and let him do the rest. How about that? It's like, here's what I got, Jesus. Seems impossible. And he's like, yeah, without me it would be, wouldn't it? Glad you're here, Jesus. Glad you showed up again today. It's a good walk with you. Let him take care of the rest. All right, step three. Everybody tracking? I need to be done. Step three. Give thanks for all that God has provided. Give thanks for all that God has provided. When he had given thanks, he distributed it. Jesus was not going to do this miracle before he taught the disciples that giving thanks is a thing. Let's thank God for the hillside. Let's thank God for these five loaves and two fishes. Let's thank God for this crowd that's following us. Let's thank God for these disciples that are tired but not giving up. Let's thank God for the Holy Spirit's strength in Jesus Christ himself to be on mission when he could have just walked off and become invisible man again, right? Give thanks for all that God has provided Jesus' example of giving thanks, the Jewish tradition was giving thanks before and after a meal. You guys ever do that? I'm fond of saying, like, it doesn't command that we pray before the meal, so with our family, it's like before, during, or after. As long as we're thankful, we'll eat. But pretty soon, that gets like, oh, we forgot to pray. Do you understand what I'm saying? Can I, get a, can I get a head nod? I know it's hot in here. Can I get a head nod if you understand what I'm saying? Like, I had a good attention, I wanted to do it, we just didn't want to be extra biblical, so we said we're not going to be legalistic, and then all of a sudden we didn't do it. There goes the discipline. I'm, I'm bringing it back to you. In learning and listening, step three, on your journey with Jesus, one, two, three. Step three, give thanks. Give thanks for all that God has provided. <laughs> Look up. God is the source of all good gifts. What do you have that you did not receive? 1 Corinthians. Instead of complaining about what we don't have, we should give thanks to God for what we do have, and he will make it go farther. Praise God! And that's what God's taught me this week, and I'm going to venture to do it. So, each one of the disciples... Got a little ba uh, doggy bag. Do you see it? Okay, take this out. Twelve baskets full. Well, you know, baskets would have been expensive, but these were cheap. All right? So I, I, I stewarded the church's money. I got you what I could. This is your take-home homework. Okay? Always want to have an application point. I think we've talked about listening and learning. You could write that at the top. We've talked about giving thanks. It also works as a good fan. All right, good. Everything's covered. Not funny, Steve. Get the air conditioning on. All right, I got it. We'll talk to them. And the projector too, eh? Here's the thing. I want you to take this doggy bag and I want you to write on it all week long what you can give thanks to God for. Just write. Just keep a journal. This is your brown paper bag journal now. You might have to rip it open and get on the inside. You never know. And I want you to write everything you want to give thanks to God for. Let's just copy Jesus Christ in it. Here's what I want to give thanks for, God. Here's what I want to give thanks for, God. I'm going to do it. You're going to do it. We're going to bring them back next week, and we're going to have some kind of element where we get to share that in the service. I don't know. I don't have it all planned out, but bring it back next week. 
okay? And we're going to share what God's doing and give thanks to God, um, and then we're going to take communion together, which is, I said that earlier. He gave him a reminder of his goodness and gratefulness. I received a reminder of God's goodness and gratefulness. You know, sometimes it's hard. And so you're like, man, you know, and you sort of beat yourself up a little bit. And I got this card. My wife and I sent a graduation gift off to somebody uh, that used to be in our church. Here's what it says. Dear Diedrichs, thank you so much for the graduation gift. It was very thoughtful of you. Receiving this gift gave me a moment to think back to all the wonderful memories that we had with Harvest. Looking back, I can contribute some of my best habits, such as reading my Bible every night and every morning, to your efforts in encouraging me to grow deeper in my faith. We all miss you very much and hope to see you soon. Sincerely, Karsten. This kid was 11 when he was here. And he's writing that card back saying, you impacted, the church impacted, the children's ministry impacted my life for Jesus Christ. I read my Bible, the living word of God, every day, morning and night. Let's just go. Yes, I'm on that. That's awesome. And so lest I get my head down and be like, oh, it's so hard. Lift your head. He's doing something. He's encouraging us, even in the hard, along the way. And I'm so very grateful when he blows those kisses because it keeps us going. So take the bag home, write down your things, give thanks to God, and bring it back next week. Okay, now, so much more I want to say. So many more application points, but I'm just going to get to this. I'm going to go through the rest of the message. I'm going to ask the staff, come on up. Chris, Crystal, I think Ben and Mallory are coming too. Come on up. I'm just going to go back through it again, okay? Journey with Jesus. I want you to listen and learn. That's what the title of the message is. That's what it's all about. Listen and learn, okay? Number one, here's the first step. Take time to get away with Jesus. We all need that. Number two, lean into the testing of my faith. We're all called and challenged to do that. Number three, give thanks for all that God has provided. And I want us to model that right now, right? Give thanks for all that God has provided. God's provided these awesome people. They've given time and energy to this church. They've equipped the saints for the work of the ministry. The Bible says, give honor to who honors due.